0: Hi, everyone. I'm Boomer Esiason, and welcome to another edition of our Game Time Podcast. Today's guest has blossomed into one of the most feared defensive players in the National Football League. At 6'3", 275 pounds, this sack artist is a quarterback's worst nightmare. But it is a pleasure for this thankfully retired quarterback to welcome New England Patriots linebacker Matthew Judon. Matthew, welcome to our Game Time Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Boomer.
0: You're still only in your second season in New England, and already many are calling you one of the best free agent signings of Bill Belichick's career. Do those kinds of accolades make you feel extra pressure to perform for the hoodie?
1: Uh, Nah. Nah, I just got to be me. When uh, you put too many expectations on you and uh, other people's thoughts and expectations, uh, that's when you get out of character and you start doing stuff. Besides yourself, you always got to be yourself and be true to you.
0: Right, you know, speaking of performing, you have a signature sack dance where you actually wipe your right hand across your face with your head reared back. Now you said that you stole it with permission from your Baltimore Raven former teammate Michael Crabtree, and you recently actually filed a trademark with it. Now I'm wondering what the deal with that is, and then whether or not Crab is going to get a piece of that trademark.
1: Uh, nah, Crab said it. Crab said it was cool, but. Uh, the trademark was just so I can uh, put it on clothes, and other people, uh, other people wouldn't. It wasn't like if Crab wanted to use it, uh, I would, I wouldn't mind at all. But uh, it was, it was just for like other people.
0: All right. So Mark Ingram, another former Raven teammate, supposedly gave you a little bit of advice. He said, "Pick one celebration and do it over and over. That way, they'll notice." Is that true?
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, Mark, that was the year uh, Mark and Crabb was there. Uh, they both got there at the same time. And uh, we was kind of just sitting around talking about it before a game. And I was like, all right, bet. And uh, I, I think my first time doing it was uh, a sack after uh, on Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City.
0: Oh, couldn't have come against a better guy—that's for sure. Right. Now, you know, I was reading where you said your fellow Patriot quarterback Mac Jones is a great guy and football player, but when it comes to fashion, you, the man with the signature red sleeves on the field, of course we we talked about earlier, called him quote a lost cause. What kind of drip sins has he committed in your eyes?
1: Uh, I think Mac, he just don't really you know care about like the fashion and stuff. He he dresses nice, uh, he got like nice suits and things and he got nice articles of clothing but, you know, Mac, Mac dresses like he going to work, going to and from work, you know, s- sweatpants or just, uh, just casual clothes and a button up and some jeans, that's that's what he feel comfortable in and so you know, Mac don't really got no drip.
0: Did you ever see uh, Joe Burrow in some of the clothes that he wears, does he have drip?
1: Yeah, yeah, Joe be, dre- Joe be dressing. He be putting up. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he wore SpongeBob
0: shoes one day.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Joe got some nice uh, articles of clothing. And hey, let me ask
0: you this: You know, you said on Nickelodeon that you actually swam with the sharks despite being scared of them, but you still did it. You did it.
1: Yeah, yeah, we uh, one year I went uh to Hawaii and they had cage free uh. Swimming with shark, and so I wasn't in a cage or nothing. It was, it was crazy. Like I, I, I ain't never felt such anxiety, or like my heart was beating fast, like mini panic attack under the water. And then like the swim, it was really dark waters, mm-hmm. and then a the shark was just like swimming at me. It came out of nowhere. But then the, then the man had came swim in front of me. And then a shark had rear uh, veered off, I was
0: like, and they, I and they said they, they said they
1: didn't eat they didn't eat people, but I was like, mm, I don't know,
0: I don't know, man. I mean, like I don't necessarily know that I could do that myself, and I, I'm just thinking if they saw me because I'm so blonde and so white that even though that water is dark, they would see me very clearly. I have a feeling.
1: Well, don't worry. He saw me. He saw me. (laughs) It don't don't matter the color of your skin. Shark was, he was was looking for a meal. He didn't care what color I was.
0: Matthew, a little tip as we both live here on the East Coast. Stay out of the shark-infested waters. Do me a favor. I'd rather see you playing football than messing with the sharks on the beach. All right?
1: All right. I got you.
0: So let's turn to this current season, Matthew. Back around Thanksgiving, you were leading the NFL in sacks. And yet, Micah Parsons and Nick Posa seem to be ahead of you in the discussion for Defensive Player of the Year. Is winning that award a secret goal of yours?
1: Uh, I just want to keep my play up for the team. And uh, regardless of who thinks of where I am or how I'm doing or what I'm doing, uh, I believe that at the end of the day, uh, as long as I'm going out there and producing for my team and, and we having fun and, and uh, we're, we're doing well on defense, let the stats and uh, the he says and she says let they fall where they may. But at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing uh, and what type of player I am.
0: I got to ask you, what's the deal with the red sleeves?
1: <laughs> uh, well, it, it originally started out that uh, uh, I, I would play on turf and I always would get scratched up and uh, and so I was like, man, I'm gonna wear long sleeves. And uh when I came when I came from the Ravens, we were only allowed to wear like either black or white uh, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. And so uh in the New England color scheme, red was allowed for me to wear because it was a part of our colors. And so I just chose to wear uh, wear red
0: i got to tell you, they look great, man, and they definitely make you stand out without question. So i got to ask you about a game against the Jets in Week 11. Marcus Jones returns his punt 84 yards. It's a game winner. You guys had an unbelievable game against the Jets. You only gave up three points on defense. I'm wondering for you standing on the sideline watching this unfold, what did that feel like?
1: Ah oh, man, it was unbelievable. Uh, just going out there, play after play, giving it your all on defense and uh, not caring what type of position we was in, but saying, uh, you know, however we need to win this game, we're going to win this game. And for Marcus to go out there and uh, do what he did and return that punt, uh, it was crazy. And you kind of seen it in slow motion. At first, it was because uh, the first couple of punts be, uh, prior to that they uh they didn't kick it to him. They didn't let him uh return the ball. And you first see it, and then you're like, okay, uh he got the ball, and they they have a really good special teams player. And uh you know you got you got past Hardy, and then it just it just, you just look at the jumbo trying to start going in slow motion. He cut <laughs> back on the punter. He in the middle of the field, and it's, it's nobody to catch him, and uh. You know, it it, it kind of happened in slow motion, but uh, man, it was it was crazy. And then right after we kicked off, and uh, time expired, and uh, that was crazy. That was a uh, a good time for him because you know he kind of rolled his ankle a little time before that, and for him to come back and do that, and uh, we win and walk off fashion like that was incredible.
0: Yeah, just don't put the ball down the middle of the field inside the numbers. It's got to be outside the numbers is what I always say. And by the way, is there any added pressure playing linebacker for a coach whose last name is Belichick, even though it's not Bill?
1: (laughs) Uh, It always is. You know the the eye is going to be on you, and you know the standard is high. And so – and I think that's regardless of uh, who the coach is, but especially that, you know, the last name is Belichick. And so – what we what we want to do is go out there and play at a consistently high level. Uh, you don't want to just be a a sometimes player. Uh, you want to be all the time, and whenever your number is called on, you want to deliver. And I feel like uh, I feel like they put you in that position to become that player.
0: You know, you this you are the perfect person to ask this next question to. Because you signed with the Patriots after Tom Brady left. Mm-hmm. And I just have to wonder, is there a ghost of Tom Brady in that locker room or in Gillette Stadium?
1: Uh, I, I believe it'll it always be. Uh, with, a, with a quarterback like that, it's, it's really no replacing. No matter uh, you know how far along it is and how far uh, past he didn't play. you can't replace somebody like that but in a in a locker room, we know who we have in there. we know he's not there, you know we know he's not coming back anytime soon, and we know we gotta go out there and play, and we gotta win games without without him and so uh, I never played with him, which I think that's a good thing <laughs> uh it could be good or bad, but uh, I never played with him, so I don't have to carry that well if he was here or. Like, cause I don't, I don't have to answer those questions. So my default is always, I never played with them. I, I was here after them.
0: So no ghost. So no ghost in the locker room then of Tom Brady?
1: No, nah, no, nah, no, no ghost at all.
0: All right. We're just getting warmed up with the great Matthew Judon in a moment. He's going to tell us about growing up as one of 10 children in the Detroit suburbs when game time continues right after this. Welcome back to Game Time, everyone. Matthew Judon may have had a massive body and a big-time personality to match, but when he was growing up in West Bloomfield, Michigan, the most outside part of his life was his family. Now, you were number six of 10 children, Matthew. I don't know if you're familiar with such old-school classics as Cheaper by the Dozen or Eight is Enough. I'm not sure if you're aware of those, but the premise of it is that the large family sometimes create humorous circumstances within the household. Can you think of something funny that happened that you could share with uh, your nine siblings?
1: Uh I think probably one of the funniest moments uh that we ever had was uh my dad one year for Christmas, around Christmas time, he had got these slippers. And somehow they became like everyday slippers for him. Like he would cut the grass in them, he would <laughs> he would do take the trash out. Like every everything he did, he would do in these slippers. And then like one year he had probably like 2 3 years later they he had finally like threw them away they finally was like you know it was like you can't wear those no more and uh he had threw them away my sister my oldest sister had got them and like pinned them up on like the, uh the wall and she wrote a note this was uh, around a movie uh the scream movie had came out and yep. she had wrote a note that said i know what you wore last summer And we had we had all came in after like uh, being out somewhere and they was just like hanging up on the wall and we all died laughing. Like we all we all was like on the ground for a long time about that. And so uh, we always just had memories. I just I just remember it was a lot of laughter and a lot of uh, joyfulness in the household.
0: That's great, and a lot of love, I'm sure. You said growing up with so many siblings, yeah, uh, learning to get along with so many different personalities actually helped you in football, so how so?
1: Uh, Because there's a lot of different personalities in the locker room. You know, uh, we all come from a different background. Some of us was in larger families. Some of us are single families. Uh, you know, we got Dev. He's a, he's a twin. And so uh, everybody come with their own different traits and personalities. And I think uh, with me growing up the way I did, it allowed me to just understand multiple different type of personalities and a multi- multitude of people. And I, so I believe that, uh, you know, that helped me in a large way growing up. You know, your mom,
0: Pierrot Harrison, was the glue that held the family together. So I'm just wondering how she was able to demand good manners, dignity, respect from each of her 10 kids.
1: Uh, I think I think she did it, and also we just uh, it kind of trickled down. It was it was also a fact that, you know, uh, my I, I didn't see my older si- siblings disrespecting anybody, or uh, you know, going out of their way to disrespect anybody. And uh, I just kind of always seen them being a good, good human and always showing respect, and that kind of uh, I kind of took along with that. And so with that, uh, it was it was easier for her. The more kids she had, because that was like kind of more, more. Uh, kinda, you kind of you've seen it more, you know, more examples to be a good person. And so I have five. I have five of them uh, that was older than me that did it very well.
0: You know, uh, COVID nineteen presented a lot of problems for all of us, but you, for your family, your mom was diagnosed with cancer. And you were not able to be with her during that time. I mean, because of COVID nineteen and all the rules and different things like that. How tough was that for you guys?
1: Uh that was, that was very tough. I I'm, I'm just glad my siblings was up uh, was there for her and and could be there for it. But uh, you know, the NFL had strict rules and strict mandates uh for COVID nineteen that uh, you know, nobody really wanted to uh get in trouble. Uh, the penalties were very hefty, but uh, I so I had to stay, stay out of it and stay at home. Uh, but my siblings they uh stepped up and they helped her and uh they uh was able to drive her to and from, and uh also my dad Earl was try- able to drive her to and from, and so she was still surrounded by love. It was just I couldn't be there. Uh, because of the guidelines and the stipulations that was put in place. You know,
0: here's who Matthew Judon is out there, folks. Uh, and when your mom went into remission, you went and you bought her a new house and you celebrated that remission uh, with uh, with your mom and your and your siblings and everything. I got to believe that that had to be one of the greatest moments in your
1: life. Yeah, yeah it was. And uh, we, uh, I mean, kind of like in fashion that we did, we had fun with it. Uh, it wasn't just like I bought her a house, uh mm. me and all my siblings, older siblings, we all toured houses together we uh took the walkthroughs together, and we uh chose a house together and so uh we did that and uh when we uh when we decided on the house and it was near closing time uh we started we started touring houses with my mom. And so uh my sisters took her on like some like some pretty bad house tours <laughs> and stuff just to like just to like mess with her like a week before and two days before uh like her housewarming party. And uh all the while we in the background, like setting up a housewarming party for her. So uh well she uh she like calling us, like cussing us out and stuff, like <laughs> you know, like y'all know I wouldn't like this house and stuff. <sighs> And we like well, that's all we could do. Like it was, it, it's nothing else on the market, and so, uh, and so uh, after that, after that, like uh, when we actually had the housewarming party, uh, we told her like because it was around graduation time, so it was like mm-hmm. oh well, uh, one of my brothers was graduating, so he it was like kind of as a uh, open house for like a student. So we planned that, and then she pulled up, and it was just all, you know, all of us and all her grandchildren was there, and all her kids was there, and uh, we presented her with the house, and uh, she was really happy, and we and we just enjoyed the day together, and we uh she got to walk around her walk around her house and tour it and stuff for the first time with uh, all us being there, and uh, it was pretty awesome for my parents.
0: Who knew that a defensive linebacker who terrorizes quarterbacks could have such a big heart? That's a great story, Matthew.
1: Yeah, it was. It was pretty fun. Oh, that had to be
0: unbelievable. Yeah. All right. So let me see. So you got you had nine siblings. So there's ten of you. Mm-hmm. And how many grandchildren are there?
1: It's uh thirteen right now.
0: Oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so how many people? So there's got to be like how many people? Was everybody at the house?
1: Yeah, everybody was at the house. Everybody. That was.
0: is unbelievable. That had to be that had to be awesome. Yeah. As we continue our podcast conversation with Matthew Judon, let's turn briefly to your college career. So what made you decide on Grand Valley State in Western Michigan and why do you believe that going there was a blessing
1: for you? I learned so much football when I was actually out there. I learned so much more about the game and about how to use my body and uh uh, tailor my body to upstand, uh, well withstand injuries and, uh, just, just be, a, be able to be out there. And, uh, and so I, I was just kind of glad I, I chose grand Valley just because of the things and the coaches and the players and the people I actually met out there. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, we, I'm a believer in everything is for a reason. And, uh, I chose and I, I I went to Grand Valley for a reason, and uh, it got me here today. Uh, Maybe it could have been easier if I would have went to a a big school, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, Bama, one of those schools, but I'm glad I I got it the way I did.
0: You know, you had hurt your junior year, you tore your ACL, and I'm just wondering, at that point in your career, are you wondering about your future, and whether or not you can make it to the NFL, and how lonely was rehab for you during that period?
1: Uh. I believe that was kind of like one of the most loneliest times ever. Um, It was was just me by myself and uh, the training staff. And I wasn't out there with, you know, a hundred and some odd players playing a game I love. I had to sit back and I had to rehab and I had to go through things alone instead of, you know, them dog days and, them hard times and like man like football getting long I didn't have those days I had I just had every day come in and try to just get a little bit better so I can get back out there um and so that was that was very tough but uh I believe throughout that time I learned so much about football I learned about the game of football I learned about how the linebackers uh, manipulate the defensive line and how the safeties and come down and, and support and stuff like that. And, and things that, uh, things that a lot of players kind of just don't know and, and just don't see at that age. And I was allowed to uh, stand back and learn about that and learn about the defense and, and how how, like the, just the details of the defense. And, uh, with that, I was able to, uh, I think I was able to get better at uh, my craft and my job just because I knew where my help and my support was. And if I was to take a chance, these are the defenses I can actually take a chance in.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: is your reward, Medella the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import,
0: Chicago, Illinois. You know it's amazing. Your pro day, you crushed it. So you come back your senior, year, you play great, and you crush it at your pro day. And I'm just wondering, for a small school guy like yourself, were you wondering whether or not it was good enough, and who was noticing, and whether or not you were going to be drafted after that pro day?
1: Uh, that, that's that, that's all up into the evaluators and recruiters hands uh my job was to go out there and do what i did and i think uh i put my best foot forward and i put my best self forward and that's all i really could do at the time and so uh with that i just you know i just left it all out there i just left it all out there and so uh you know getting drafted in that process it's it's difficult to have you know, your life in somebody else's hands or your future in somebody else's hands. But that's what the NFL is about. It's all about a dream. It's all about somebody taking the chance on you. And I'm just glad that they took the chance on me and uh, the Ravens that they took the chance on me and, and they helped me get to where I am now.
0: Yeah, the amazing thing is, is that you got to work to get where you are, and you are the perfect uh, example of that. And I'm just wondering, when you got the call from the Ravens, you were drafted in the fifth round. Where were you, and what was that moment like?
1: Uh, I was at uh, one of my uh, high school coaches' houses and surrounded by family and loved ones, and uh, uh, it was amazing. It was awesome. It was uh, life life changing. Uh, but I knew that it wasn't the end. I knew like that just that call wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to be. It wasn't going to get me, uh, to, uh, to where I am now. And so it was, it was just a stepping stone. It was just, it was just a starting, uh, a starting spot. And they said I could come and try out to get a job. It wasn't guaranteed. It wasn't guaranteed. We see a lot of fifth round. We see a lot of guys in the league yep. every year not make it. And so, uh um, Nothing was guaranteed, but I, I, I'm really glad that they called. And uh, Ozzy called, and he was like, uh, is anybody around you? Because I told everybody, like, shut up. Like, yeah. it somebody <laughs> he was like, is anybody around you? I don't hear nothing. I was like, yeah. Like, yeah. He was like, well, you can tell them to cheer because you're going to be a, a Baltimore Raven. And I told everybody that, and then, like, everybody went crazy. And so uh, I think. I think that experience is one I, I never forget and I'll always remember.
0: You know, Matthew, I could actually make an argument that Ozzie Newsom could be the greatest GM of his generation. And when you get a call by one of those guys with that with that, uh, that reputation and what he has done for Baltimore, uh, that in itself right there is a check mark that says you belong in the NFL. Man, Ozzie, Ozzie picked them all right. He got all you guys right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oz, Ozzie really don't miss. He doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it,
0: it's like, you know, uh, I remember, so my my last year, just aside, a my last year, my last game was against the Ravens. And it was in 1997, and there was a second-year player, and his name was uh, Ray Lewis. You know who he is, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I had never seen anybody play football like that in my life. Uh, and I just said, you know what, this is going to be my last game. I'm not going to play anymore if they're going to be coming like this. <laughs> and, uh, and that was my last game. I walked off the field after 14 years and said, "I'm done. I cannot play against people like this anymore."
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah that's a good time to hang them up.
0: Yeah, and now you're one of those
1: guys. By the way, <laughs> I mean, well, if you if you want to come out retire, I it'd be a couple easy sacks, I believe. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> back everyone. After five seasons in Baltimore in which he helped lead the Ravens to three different playoff appearances, Matthew Judon signed a four-year, $56 million contract with the New England Patriots. And Matthew, I'm just wondering, you know, why would you choose New England? Because, you know, some ex-Patriots say, fairly or unfairly, depending on how you want to look at it, they claim the program could be too rigid and the rules too demanding.
1: I, I believe I believe that if you love football, you can go anywhere and play football, and so I love I love the game. And so, uh, you know, the rules, regulations, and expectations are you come in here and you willing to do whatever you need to do to win games, and that's where that's where I want to be. And so, uh, you know, ex players and uh, players like I I think the most exciting thing about Playing the game is winning the game. It's not. It's not the. Well, I didn't get to have fun off the, like off the field, or I didn't get to have fun like in, in my personal time. Like that's up to you. That's a. That's up to you. And, and you may you make your life with what your life is. But when you come in that building, your expectation is you want to win games, and that's what I want to do. I want to win games, and so. Uh, and so that's that's why I came here that's why i made made the change and uh you know i it was I didn't know I didn't know until I knew mm-hmm. and so I was just happy I made the switch and I came over here.
0: You know, a lot of players aren't as lucky as you. And what I mean by that is you played for two great head coaches. Both head coaches are going to the Hall of Fame. John Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. Now, I don't think these two guys like each other a lot when they're playing against each other. I'm just wondering, how are they different? Are they much different? And what's it like playing for one as opposed to the other?
1: Uh, that, I think one of the biggest differences is that uh, like Harbaugh would like kind of you kind of see him? He be asking like his players, like, "Oh y'all, y'all want to go for it, or y'all want to do the like? How do y'all want to do it?" Like, and and Bill not asking nobody nothing. You know, Bill been around. <laughs> he been around football for so long, and uh, like he just he just knowing he like in this situation, this is what I'm doing. In this situation, this is what I'm doing, and 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 he has those things, and he just do uh, he demands he demands when he calls those things that the players get it done, that they have uh been in preparation and they have prepared themselves to get it done. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Not that's not saying that Harbaugh doesn't do that, but like he Coach Belichick not asking nobody like, oh, you want to go for or you want to like do that, he, he knows what we're doing in that situation. Uh, he knows.
0: He wants to control everything. Now, I just, uh, you've been around Coach Belichick long enough now that you understand all these Belichick-isms that he throws out there, and I just want to get your reaction to a couple of them and see if you can explain to me and the audience exactly what he's trying to tell his players, okay? All right, let me see. Okay, here you go. The first one would be do your job. What does that
1: mean? Uh, it's simple. Just do your job. Don't, don't try to, if you're a linebacker, be a linebacker. Don't try to be a corner. Don't try to be a safety. We need you to be a linebacker. And, uh, that's it.
0: All right. Talent sets the floor. Character sets the ceiling.
1: Uh, that one, I believe that, uh, you, you can be as good as you want to be, but when your character is that you do. You trying to be better than what you are now, that's that's when you become a better player.
0: All right, simple. All right, here's another one. You get the job done or you don't.
1: I, I mean, I feel like that's so like we, we don't want to hear excuses. We don't want to hear we don't want to hear no palms up, see no palms up, or you don't blame it on somebody else. It's either you did the job, if if it was to hold the edge. Or you did it. As simple as that.
0: All right, two more. Don't outdumb yourself
1: now. Wait, what was that?
0: Don't outdumb yourself now. Don't outdumb yourself now.
1: Oh no, nah, I don't, I haven't even heard that one. I haven't heard that one. Now. That means that means
0: that you're not outdumbing yourself. They're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the final one, the final one, now this is from Bill Belichick, remember? I don't Twitter, I don't my face, I don't yearbook. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, he don't got no social media. He don't got no social. He always know what's going on in the world. So he gonna but he gonna say that stuff. But he he don't be on so he don't be on social media. And he he hate uh Snap face. He don't like Snap Face.
0: <laughs> snap face or Snapchat, whatever it is, whatever it's called, TikTok. Who knows? <laughs> snap face, I like it. As we continue this edition of Game Time Podcast with our guest, Matthew Judon, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your affinity for, well, Taco Bell. Now, two years ago during Sunday night football lineups, you caught the national audience by surprise when you announced yourself as Matthew Judon, body built by Taco Bell. So what prompted you to ditch Grand Valley State for a Mexican-themed fast food chain?
1: We was just kind of... Playing around on the intros, you know how you shoot the intros, and we're kind of playing around. I said a whole couple other things. I think they still got in the vault, but uh, they just ran. They just ran with that one, and uh, I I I don't know. I forget what game it was. I, I think it was against the Patriots. Honestly, I think it was against the Patriots. And then, and we had one. So like my phone had blew up. I had a whole bunch of messages. I was like, Oh, you're like, they talking about the game. And I, and all I seen was like, bro, your intro was hilarious. Your intro was <laughs> hilarious. And I, and I didn't, I didn't know what they was talking about because they didn't tell me that they was going to do that one. And, uh, so they had, uh, put that up there. And, uh, I had eventually seen it and I, it kind of blew up. It kind of blew up. It went. Uh, it went a little viral for a couple of days, and uh, it was. It was pretty funny. But uh, I. I enjoy Taco Bell. I really do. I. I really enjoy Taco Bell. So. Uh, and so, you know, I eat their food.
0: Yeah, that is hilarious. You eat their food. I hope they give you a black card so you can go anytime you want for free. I mean, that you know, that's pretty big advertising right there. So now listen, you don't have to go to a Mexican restaurant to find a taco. There is a big one currently playing in the National Football League. I want to ask you this question. This is our this is our quiz, Tic Tac Taco. So listen up to these questions. You give me the answer, OK? OK. Like I said, you don't have to go to a Mexican restaurant to find a taco. There's a big one currently playing in the National Football League. Who am I referring to? Charlton. That's right, Taco Charlton. That's exactly right. His given name is Vedante. All right, now this is true or false. Astronauts on the International Space Station grew their own chili peppers and used them to make space tacos. False. No, that's true. Actually, in 2021 astronaut uh, astronaut Megan MacArthur celebrated the scientific harvest and organized a space taco party. You should have been there.
1: How, how did how did they grow without the sun? And well, that's that's
0: what science is all about, Matthew. I can't explain all that stuff to you. You're right, asking your right. an extra quarterback. All right, talk about true or false. The biggest taco ever created actually measured 112 yards, imagine that, from goal line to goal line, and then a little bit more, and it was filled with pulled pork. Did that ever happen?
1: I'm gonna say true.
0: True is right. In 2019, a group in Central Mexico set the Guinness World Record. Okay?
1: That's that's disgusting. All
0: right, true or false? Last question. The world's most expensive taco cost $400
1: yeah that's that's true they probably they probably gold-plated or something
0: Gosh. hey listen that is false matthew false? i can't believe you didn't get this one right the world's most expensive taco actually cost twenty five thousand dollars. it consists of a gold-infused tortilla wrapped Man. around lobster and kobe beef and topped with beluga caviar and truffles and you can get those in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. I'm sure you've been there, right?
1: But, uh, no, i never been. But $25,000? <laughs> There's no way.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is a way. And there it is right there for you. Our thanks to the great Matthew Judon for joining us today. I'm Size, and I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with Baltimore Ravens sack artist, Calais Campbell.